0: Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. This is episode 101, kind of treating this as um, a a fresh start in a way, because our topic tonight will be Oliver's Blood Inside. We're going to run through the entire album, all nine songs. It holds a very special place in our heart, as does Oliver, who we covered with episode one. We covered their William Blake album. Before we get into all that, I want to, of course, welcome the star of the show and uh by no means am i even being sarcastic at this point but the star of the show hunter again let the music do the talking i'm proud of you because you we haven't recorded for a while the last one was the Voivod episode seems like forever ago (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure it seems like forever and a half to you uh you've been overseas playing with a band called Agalok, playing drums for Agalok in a cave in a mountain in germany and the little little
1: band you might have heard of out of portland oregon (laughs)
0: <laughs> and a portland oregon hometown show was your second so far and you have colorado in early december i think so welcome back and back. i'm proud of you and if you want to uh give us uh you know a little bit of recollection of your experiences man we'll uh put you, put you on the spot
1: um, kind, of, kind of surreal martin moritz stefan booby everybody at prophecy was just incredible had the Deep pleasure of meeting Jan from uh, from Vmod, I, and it, you know oh, yeah. I, I actually meant to reach out to him to make sure that I was pronouncing that correctly, because as everyone knows, I have a habit of just slaughtering Nordic language pronunciations
0: well i know from interviewing chris from over that uh the way he says over is not the way the rest of us uh, right be, the rest of the world <laughs> say over yeah. but i'm just not about to tackle it because i don't want to do that language any injustice
1: yeah exactly um it, but it, it was just an amazing experience probably never going to play in a cave again i i suspect Eric, most people uh, don't
0: get to play in a cave for the first time so
1: <laughs> uh the portland show was Uh, electric Mm. Uh, homecoming show for them Um, feel just very grateful to be um, have like just kind of brought along on this journey it it doesn't I mean it's not mine my goal from the you know the start was to just give them the best support that I could I hope i did
0: um i know you did i have i have firsthand witness uh from the members saying that you did and and you you do too but you you're too humble to say it
1: well but i I hope it did um i think they um i think they're really really pleased with everything um both shows were just unreal for me
0: yeah Um, yeah yeah it looked like you were comfortable i mean i was at the the, the the rehearsals or the first rehearsals, um, some of them that last day. And you looked really comfortable then. And a the little bit of video I've watched of both shows now. I don't actually I don't think I've seen video of Portland, but some of the video from the Prophecy Fest. Like you look so comfortable up there. And you're playing like you all have always played, which is um just very comfortable and fluid and your your eyes closed a lot and just kind of uh you're a very visual drummer. It's fun to watch you. And well, thank um thank you. It was incredibly moving to just see you with Agaloc and all of that madness the, uh, of the, and the energy that the people brought to those shows. It just there,
1: there, there was a time that um, probably at both shows, but I, but I remember it vividly uh, in Germany when uh, we played not unlike the waves and we couldn't hear John for the crowd. Mm. And, you know, I don't play, uh, I don't play music with vocals. so oh that's right uh, yeah you're not used to right i'm not um so there's never really an opportunity to sing um but uh it, it it was just such an honor to um to play with this band that i've loved for two decades and these songs that i just that are so near and dear to my heart i i have so i there was a point um playing uh falling snow in portland we almost cried yeah and I, and I told you this and I I I'm not ashamed of it but when we got done with the set in Germany, oh yeah I'm glad you're they, sharing this like the guys jumped down um there was a little you know barrier between the the crowd and the stage and they you know shook hands and greeted fans and everything and um I went backstage and uh and and literally just cried it was like it was one of the most, like surreal, powerful emotional moments of
0: my life. I can only imagine. It must have been just a combination of like joy and pride. I feel like those two things would have to be there. Like, yeah, it was. it was a lot of it was. Yeah, and all the all the work that led up to that because you know you had been you'd been flying to Portland a few times already. I've gotten way,
1: way too familiar with. Uh, the uh the portland airport <laughs> I, I i can maneuver through that airport with like remarkable ease now <laughs> well <laughs> I, well good you know yeah. and, like i actually like know uh two of the people at the tsa really <laughs> like, like they're like oh hey yeah hey dude <laughs> yeah it's like
0: well congrats man it's anyway just a, man incredible
1: I, yeah, stoked, um you know looking forward to more
0: yeah, incredible achievement, and and good on those guys for, for recognizing you or picking you out of the crowd and giving you that chance. And uh, they're all to a man, just super fucking incredible guys, they're, um, dude. They're they're just to kind of, they, yeah. We we they, need more human beings on the planet like these guys. That's they that's, remind, what, that's they, what I'm saying.
1: They remind me so much of like the Canvas Boys too. Sure, they're just like just amazing people that love arguing about music. <laughs> right. And I mean, you know, what, what more could you ask in a person?
0: And marveling at each other's fucked up and peculiar tastes.
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, Jason Walton, who is yeah, the, w- one of my best friends, yeah, um, takes issue with the album that is the subject of tonight's podcast. Uh
0: he, yeah, Blood Inside. So he, he is a bona fide over fan, right? Y- yes. We can say he is.
1: I, we we know he loves bergtot i think he loves uh kveltsanger um and at least um track seven from nonsense magical <laughs> i don't okay. i think he loves perdition city because okay he makes music himself that sounds somewhat like perdition city
0: sure sure
1: um and i know he loves shadows but okay okay that's enough over
0: yeah that's enough over to call yourself a fan though i think once you're four or five in with a band like at least you're a fan of something and... he's at least
1: three deep in half a dozen
0: <laughs> well yeah that's <laughs> i'm gonna <laughs> have said it better myself um but but like it to me when this album came out, I was already an Oliver fan. You were already already a fan when this came out, two thousand five. Am I right? Yeah, and and um,
1: you, um, I have a like a very uh, special memory and connection to this album too because I graduated um, from grad school and you were working at the end and as a graduation present, you got me the Velvet Box.
0: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. I had that connection with the with the End Records who had both a mail order and um man, I think they did, did the end license yeah, the end this did, album for the, the US? They licensed they licensed it for the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, I know that we both, when it came out, were just gobsmacked by it. And we're gonna talk about why Oliver fans really, really should uh love this record and 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 uh we're not gonna at all this Jason for having his, his tastes. Uh, and I'm serious here because we've, we've marveled about it, but it does seem like quintessential over. And it seems like an over that was completely uh, after making kind of half steps to reinvention kind of arrived at a place and they never truly arrived because they always, as soon as they arrive, they leap off the launch really, pad yeah. again, you know, goodbye yeah. again. Hello again. Hello. Goodbye. Constantly. But this this album seemed like that then, and now almost 20 years on, it seems like that as well. It seems like one of the benchmarks and high-water marks for Oliver in any era.
1: It does to me. Um, it, it's In it, saying this, I mean, you have to take it with a grain of salt, but even with a band as progressive as Ulver, like this seems like one of their most ambitious albums. Um, and they, yeah. it, you know, they in later years have said this is our prog rock album, or we were, you know, at least inspired by our love of prog
0: on this. It moves that way. It moves like the classic prog albums where the, it visits a lot of places. It's unified, but it's very busy. Yes. And, it, and it, it,
1: you said that too one time. Like I think you said, this is music that cannot sit still.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's the problem some people would have. Like if I'm stepping back objectively, maybe the problem is that it's too busy for some people, you know, it's a manic album.
1: Oh, no question about that.
0: Yeah. Before we get to it, we have to talk about where they came from, not the black metal. That's a storied history that's been reissued to death and more importantly, uh, cherished to death for many of us. Then there's the move away from black metal or metal of any kind with the themes from William Blake's marriage of heaven and hell, which we covered as in depth as we could at the time on episode one of radical research. So here we are kind of restart for us after the first hundred and we had to do blood inside, but what's interesting is fans and you have, you and I have talked about this prior to recording tonight, but um, it felt like a lot longer period, but it, it seemed like a, a long period where let's just call it five years where there was less and less vocal, and mm-hmm. there was less and less rhythm to grasp onto, and there was—it wasn't minimalist, but there was a move toward minimalism, especially on these two EPs uh, they released after 2000's Perdition City album. That's kind of where we're going to begin the discussion because up to that point, up to 2000, they were really productive, and and even though they had gone really far out of their origins, it all made some sense. And then they start doing these little, kind of dabbling with this and that
1: yeah more modest gestures
0: silence teaches you how to sing and silencing the singing in 2001 these two different ep's which are really good but they are they are quite minimal your your thoughts on these
1: yeah i love both of them and and there there's some absolutely beautiful melodic material i i, I just think that a band like Oliver, they were sort of testing their limits um, because th- there was certainly quite a bit of that on Perdition City, though Perdition City's really kind of like a, like a maybe one of the most sophisticated, you know, kind of trip hop albums ever made. Uh, I, I really think that, you know, it was probably inspired by a lot of that. It's probably inspired by a lot of the Warp catalog. But I think that it goes not only toe to toe, but really sort of betters. Um, some of the innovations in electronic music that were happening at the time. The right. thing about Ulver, and, and it's pretty much always the case with Ulver, whenever they glom onto some source of inspiration, their identity um, as a band and as songwriters is so strong, yeah, so individual that they ultimately disentangle themselves from that inspiration. And they did that with Perdition City. Um, You could tell they were probably listening to DJ Shadow. Um, They were listening to Dan the Automator Productions or Trippy or whatever. But it still sounds like over.
0: Right. Um, Right.
1: To me, and this is something that I have discovered in the course of um, you and I you know, re-listening to this album and picking out snippets and things is that I think this is sort of the blood inside is kind of like the spiritual successor to William Blake. It's like what they really wanted William Blake to sound like.
0: Yeah. Well, and more condensed. um, Yeah. Yeah. And more accomplished. Great points. So we mentioned Perdition City. This would, I guess, technically be their fifth album. Uh, full length, and then they gave us a lot of different things. We mentioned the silence EPs, as we'll call them. Uh, they were compiled a year later as Teachings in Silence, captivating, and f- for someone who's getting a little more interested in in really chill ambient stuff, I mean, slowly, but I'm I'm getting there. The silence EPs have been instrumental, um, and in fact, there's there's one piece on one of those EPs that I that is one of my favorite Ulver themes ever. And there's I know not- exactly what you're talking about. You, the piano part yeah you probably do because it's amazing well and there's not much that's even thematic on those EPs it's you know it's rather than it's rather drifts and snow drifts and (laughs) more snow drifts (laughs) So then, okay, two thousand two, Lycantropin themes comes out. It keeps them in in this in this world of unclassifiable experimental music. It's not as captivating as I ever I think I always tried to make it a little more captivating than it was to me. It's tough. Yeah. For me.
1: And still still is.
0: And then they celebrated their first 10 years with a thing called First Decade in the Machines. I remember um, gifting you my copy because (laughs) I I listened to it twice and I'm like, I'm good. Like, it was interesting. Uh, It was a bunch of uh, friends and cohorts sort of remixing, you know, previous over material. Uh, Merspo famously appears. And then in 2003 as well, they came out with an EP and then another soundtrack. The, The soundtrack was called Zvidnega and i like that one a lot better there's to me there's just more to hang on to i think it's By this time, we were dying for some more garm singing, and we're going to call Christopher Rigg, the the vocalist and uh, founding member of Olver, uh, who, of course is still there with him always. We're going to call him Garm, just and we're sorry, Chris, if you're listening to this because we just we have it in our blood to call you Garm. I've been lucky enough to know him as Chris, and from what I know of him so far, he's a dynamite guy, but I'm sorry, Chris, it's gonna to have to be Garm.
1: <laughs> but we
0: were dying for yeah. and I know you agree. Yeah, I I do.
1: And I, and I hope to meet him one day um, because he is uh, really just one of my ultimate heroes in music.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, but you know, since probably metamorphosis, the, the EP from 1999, he'd been singing less and less and less and obviously getting more into the musical side of things, the, the equipment, the, the technology that they were using uh, getting his head into that stuff. And then by, yeah, by 2003, four or five years, we, we haven't had a whole lot of Garms. So I think we were all getting kind of antsy for that. And then they put out a quick fix of melancholy, this wonderful EP. I know you're a huge fan. I'm a huge fan, but mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one, because this is where we're at leading up to blood inside.
1: I think that the color scheme is telling the color scheme on a quick fix has a direct connection to blood inside, both of which are, Red and white, but they're inverted. The red is far more prominent on Blood Inside, but it, it's the most accessible and approachable Ulver we've gotten in a long time in 2003. With a lot of Arvo pair in there. To this day, Doomsticks is one of my favorite Ulver songs.
0: Yeah. And the revisitation on that on yep. the Zodiac, Zodiac album is great.
1: Yeah, it's incredible.
0: Now we are at blood inside and man, this thing, if if you can kind of gather, if you weren't there, uh, I hope we illustrated how far out over was going and how this was just a shock of activity, not that they didn't have activity before and energy, not that they didn't have energy before, but it had all of that times about 400. It It was just so insane and such a, such a. A short attention span record but every song is really well composed they just threw not to be cliche but they threw everything in the kitchen sink into this album you know
1: yeah you're right like it's yeah it has this this manic energy about it like they've been pent up um and they've just wanted to get something out but it's got all the you know the poison the elegance of a band that's been through as much as Oliver has been at this point um, I mean, basically 10 years of recording at this point. Yeah, I it, it, let's just uh, I, I guess let's just let the music do the talking,
0: you son of a bitch. Uh, yeah, this is uh, the first two minutes. <laughs> this is the first two minutes of the opening song, a seven minute track called Dressed in Black. So we might have talked it up a bit too much in terms of being a busy album playing the first two minutes of the album. But um, as you will soon see, you will have to catch your breath if you're listening to this thing all the way through. There is there is a lot going on, but I also like that intro and I'm glad we played it because you mentioned the William Blake album and that is straight up the closest I think they've ever gotten to the William Blake album in those first couple minutes.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, the William Blake album is the first time that, uh, that they really indulged their synthesizer version. It um, continue that at great link on Blood Inside.
0: And that vocal delivery also reminds me of what we might yeah, have heard on yeah. that album. But yeah, it doesn't last long. Before we go further, let's just say Christopher Rigg, a.k.a. Garm, obviously here. And it's basically a core of three of Ulver for this recording, because they really, they would switch up what, whatever the core was uh, every now and then. So the other two are Jorns Svaren, uh, a longtime collaborator who I think he officially joined in 2000 for Perdition and then Tor Il- Ilvisaker. we struggled with that name on episode one. We still struggle. Uh, Il- I'll just say Tor Ilvisaker. Joined, uh, joined in 98 uh, for the William Blake album. Um, notable guest appearance on Dressed in Black, For the Love of God in Your Call is Havard Jorgensen, a founding Over member who stayed with them up to the William Blake album. Uh, I think yeah. that's pretty key. Later on, we're going to hear uh, Mike Keneally, who has collaborated with Devin Townsend and Frank Zappa mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a highly respected guitarist. You know, if you play with Zappa, you're respected. He's here on Christmas and Operator. And then uh, our buddy Carl Michael Ida, of Virus and Ved Buenzende, a.k.a. Shral, however you say that, and most other Norwegian metal bands of note. <laughs> I think he's been in all of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I uh, mean, he's at least had
1: yeah, dinner with every <laughs> band in Norway. Right. Yeah,
0: he plays drums on operator and we'd be remiss not to mention this guy named Ronan Chris Murphy who did uh some studio work on this album throughout 2004. He's also worked with uh, everybody from King Crimson and Bossy 11 Stevens to Guar. So that's sort of interesting. And you'd think Jason Walton would be okay with the the Guar reference and therefore be okay with Blood Inside. He's so much of a Guar fan. He loves all albums that are produced by people who have produced Guar. Am I right? Yeah. Doesn't he? he? Does. Isn't that his thing? yeah does, it is does, you know,
1: it's it, a huge thing i mean when you and i were on his uh i hate music podcast yeah uh yeah that that was the that was the record he picked was a gore record
0: yeah yeah so uh, um, but
1: the, again it just gets to the the core problem of jason Walton. <laughs> the core problem of J- wow that's controversial okay <laughs> jason walton um, most recently, had an issue with me because I told him that I love my daughter more than I loved him.
0: That's that so, sounds like this is, the, this is the
1: kind of person we're dealing with here, folks.
0: <laughs> right? Right? Well, let's move on, man. This is this uh, a bit from the second song for the love of God. Yeah, I picked that snippet, and that's uh, because I just love all those moments. Uh, but there's a great moment near the end of the song. I'm not sure if you know where I'm going with this, Hunter, but we've already gotten in these two songs more Garm than we've gotten in five years. Um, and he's just given us some great lyrics, some 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 great vocal choices and ideas. And near the end of For the Love of God, there's that fucking heaven to kingdom come line mm-hmm. that is delivered so perfectly i guess i'd say because it gives me chills every time that fucking heaven oh, but, oh, fuck. it, yeah. just that delivery and, and it's a pretty strong lyric and so man i'm just in awe of this album and this band yet again uh but no didn't snip at that part but we as always we hope that people would rather just listen to the full length um let's move on because we love christmas this Ooh,
1: is this was uh and this if i recall came out well in advance of the album on a sampler or something.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, right. Perhaps I, not that I, I know, to but I want
1: say sure. that um, I want to, I, I, I'm, I have a pretty specific memory of hearing Christmas, like in late Oh four. All um, right. I can remember where I was the first time I heard it. Interesting. I, okay. I'm sure of it, but uh, I don't, I don't know if I heard it illegally or if it was on a sampler, I think it was on an in sampler, hmm. um, and I think that it was released around Christmas. Oh, that's a- interesting.
0: That sounds like something they uh, might do.
1: Yeah, that's true too. Um, there was
0: never an official release, you know, single release. I mean, we would no, we no, would, no, we would know that, but but yeah, that's interesting. Um, well, let's give it a listen.
1: The the first time I heard it thinking that, again, the first time in a while, Ulver sounded like a band.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you've got a singer and a drummer and a guitarist and a keyboardist and... (laughs) like these people are actually playing music in the same room again
0: yeah making all kinds of racket oh yeah
1: yeah (laughs) all kind of yeah hemming
0: and hawing all kind of unholy racket but yeah no you're right it did have that band feeling that i don't think we've gotten since perdition city it's why we covered a little bit of that stuff that came in between because they really did have this this moment of just going off uh truly into the cosmos (laughs) For a while, I thought maybe they were lost. The same thing happened to me as a Melvins fan somewhere before the Maggot, where they were kind of dicking around with Prick, and then uh, Honky. <laughs> Honky's a really cool album, but like it's it's really difficult, and seems like just Hon- kind
1: of- Honky. Yeah, Honky's a a, a, a troubling record because you get some of the most like badass rock and shit, and then just a whole bunch of difficult shit
0: <laughs> right it's it's you know it's typical melvin's but they were doing more of that in that era and then they come slamming back with the maggot and yeah. and for me maggot uh is akin to blood inside and what where it sits in those bands discography oh, that's
1: a great yeah that's a really great point
0: that's why they pay me the All big about. bucks you know i mean <laughs>
1: that's why you're <laughs> hey that's, that's why you're jeff wagner and why the rest of us aren't
0: yeah great walk in my shoes buddy <laughs> I wanted to uh, mention something that I read uh, in the run-up to our r- research. And please, people, we've done a lot of listening. We've logged a lot of time in front of the stereo. So our research is primarily there. However, and, and all that to say, we don't do our research primarily on Wikipedia, but I do have something from Wikipedia to read from. Uh, and I'll trust that this is correct. This, it sounds right. So this is from a Wikipedia entry. I found this fascinating. I knew nothing about this. Quoting from Wikipedia. The working title of the album was Utopian Enterprise, then changed to Heart before the band settled on Blood Inside. I didn't know any of that. Did you, Hunter? No. And back to Wikipedia. Speaking about the evolution of the album, Christopher Rigg commented, quote, Utopian Enterprises is a title we all like, and it goes back to Partition City and some ideas stemming from that period. But as the lyrics took form, it did not fit anymore. Then there was the Heart album, H-E-A-R-T. Even we thought that was a bit pretentious. So Jorn and I are walking, talking outside one night, trying to figure out what it is all about. Thinking only in key words, heart, blood, red, rose, beauty, violence, body, life, death, ambulance, hospital, and so forth. Then it struck us blood inside. Um and then I found something interesting as well. Garm would say in, a, in an interview with Terrorizer magazine about this album, that Blood Inside counteracted their less is more trip. I'm paraphrasing there, but he did say less is more. And it sure did. Like, it really did counteract their less is more trip. I mean, it's exactly what we were trying to set up earlier. And I think Garm said it more concisely and better in, in Terrorizer. But how about that with the key words that Garm gives out there? And it's I amazing. I, yeah, That's I'm better. not... Hospital Hospital. We're, we're, we'll listen to that snippet later. But yeah, it and it, 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 and we have to talk about the imagery and the lyrics. Um, it's really uh, like I've frankly, I have no idea what's going on. Um, however, it has it has always intrigued me what is going on, because anybody that listens to this record more than a few times, you, you get the poetry and syntax first, and then you start to understand, like like Garm was saying, the key words. I just never sat down to puzzle out what it really all means. But um, if I had to sort of, if somebody asked me in the elevator and I had 20 seconds to do it, I'd say blood inside seems to revolve around like panicked phone calls <laughs> and rushing to hospital emergency rooms. I mean, that's, that's, that that's it. That's how I boil it down. Yeah, what about you? you know, I mean, like, it's, yeah. Just a,
1: yeah. Like human urgency, but also sort of elemental things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I guess we'll we'll hear some of this later, like you know, the phone calls and things, but like what makes us alive and what drives our fears. I mean, who we are. I mean, That's, we're yeah, you know, we're we're human beings, you know, that are powered by blood and
0: yeah, these meat ba- yeah, yeah, these fragile meat bags. Yeah, um, I
1: mean, but yet yeah, really though, I mean it in and this album I think taps into how fragile our lives really are
0: man you know i've never even gone that deep with it i think you just nailed it that's incredible i was really going for the more the panic stuff you know the phone calls the ambulance it's all of that yeah yeah sure but but you're 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 getting down looking you know at at subtext here in a way that i i never really saw that but now i see it completely i i absolutely am a believer in your interpretation uh, I look forward to it. Li- no, really, because I look forward to listening to it again with that sort of deeper subtext in mind. I, I really do. Blinded by Blood. What would you want to say about this song, other than the fact that you wonder if it's a pun of the first Exodus album? Well,
1: it has to be a pun. And and this is I think this like this is where over like really, really over's I mean, always been about language and things, but like they really, really indulge that interest on this album oh, um, yeah. yeah i mean like all the song titles are referential or punny or something yeah um so there, there's an element of almost impish humor to this too this is a weird song on a weird <laughs> album
0: <laughs> by a weird band um,
1: by a weird but like but i i think particularly a weird song
0: yeah okay um, so yeah.
1: yeah let's uh let's listen to it and uh talk about its weirdness
0: are you saying we should let the music do the talking
1: i mean i've already said that
0: many 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 times many, and too yes, many but i will continue times. times
1: i'm always looking for a crutch and that's a great one Is the only song on this album that could have also been on Shadows of the Sun?
0: The next album,
1: the next album, the following over album, yeah. A very melancholy and meditative, sustained emotion of Shadows, and yeah, again, a ton of that Arvo Parrot influence. But there's another song. That this has always reminded me of a little bit, and I, in a weird drop, some I, I sound like I'm, um, like still smoking weed. Not I'm not, um, and haven't in a while. But
0: oh, that's that's news to me. This some, but
1: this is some like yeah, dollar bill like what's on a dollar bill thing. Congrats! Um, well,
0: I'm super high right now, so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it reminds me a little bit of the holy filament. Um. Oh. Yeah.
0: By Mr. Bungle California yes. album. Okay. Yeah, that well, album has yeah. a red
1: and white color scheme.
0: It does. It and it was, came out f- 5 seven, years or 7 six, years yeah. prior. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if Oliver is influenced at all by Mr. Bungle. Well, I don't either. Certainly but- some of their works have to be in some of those record collections. I'm thinking Disco Volante amongst maybe all of the older guys. Uh, yeah. The first and third would I be a toss-up. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I was just going to say that. It's more of a case of shared influence, I, I would imagine, as well. Although, that's not the first time Mr. Bungle has come up in discussion of Blood Inside. And and I between us, I'm sure between other fans and friends, there is a similarity in, in, in some ways. Yes. I beyond agree. Yeah, beyond just color scheme and beyond Blinded by Blood sounding a little bit like Holy Filament. And it's that really like just kind of fast paced change of scenery and constant change of scenery. I love that. Change yeah,
1: scenery. that's that. Yes, because like because, yeah, like Mr. Bungle's approach and this, they're both very, very visual.
0: Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. So uh, let's change the scenery. Let's go to the next song. It is not sound. But a couple of things I'd, I want to mention about it before we play it. The first lines in the song, It Is Not Sound, one of my favorite song titles in the All catalog. These are the first lines. For the record, no one will understand what it's all about. <laughs> I'm like, they could probably <laughs> they could have probably opened the album with that. That would, you know, that line. That was that's pretty great. And it is not sound features a bit from box Takata at the end. I think it's takata. And the the synth passage that we're gonna listen to is. If this is their prog rock album, this is. I was about to
1: say, this is the most, like, if there is a prog rock signifier, um, from the at least the classic seventies era, it is yet an adaptation of like Bach on a synthesizer. So absolutely, like, they're all in. I love that too.
0: Okay, so you love that. I love that. But that proggy keyboard passage there leads me to believe that that's the one thing that Jason Walton doesn't love on this album, and therefore he hates all of the album. Is that the, is that the proper it's mathematics?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, if Jason finds uh, one thing that rubs him the wrong way, he digs in his heels and and moves forward with his hatred which is robust he could have also thought well you know what blind guardian might have done that <laughs> and then it gets really testy but what i love and i want to share this too is that agaloc is going to be on the cover of the forthcoming decibel issue. yes
0: i saw that and
1: yes. the hall of fame album is imaginations from the other side Ooh. and i jason that I asked Albert to sandbag that Hall of Fame just so I could see his face and the words blind guardian in the same place. I don't, I don't know Albert, but... Yeah. Yeah.
0: In, an, in another life, if you knew Albert, that's what you would, would have said. I would have. Okay.
1: That it, it, it was in the cards. I would have said, just wait.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. Well, we're going to move on to... And Jason can turn it off, turn his radio off now. <laughs> we're done, We're done talking about him. we're not gonna we're not gonna mention him anymore. <laughs> not not this episode anyway. We're gonna listen to a song called "The Truth." I love that it's just it's so badass it's again like you said earlier it's them sounding like a band it's them sounding like they're in a room and just writing some great nuggets it's not just jamming but um yeah yeah but it, there it,
1: is it, that that band energy um, absolutely
0: absolutely and it reminds me of head control system Um, uh, that first half of the truth anyway
1: yes well and, and again i mean the head control system came out a year after this and Garum was clearly energized to sing again. And sorry, Chris, that we keep calling you Garum. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help ourselves. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you kind of wonder this might have led into that.
0: I think this is Garum's springer these two years, two or three. Yeah, years. yeah. Just sowing his wild oats. <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's move on with the uh the 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 excellent aesthetic and wordplay here in the red the album just gets better doesn't it
1: it gets deeper and richer as it goes
0: i think so Uh i think so So ambulance and big band sample. Go.
1: Yep. Mania. Uh time travel.
0: Right. The the big band sample. Yep.
1: Yes. Panic. This is like a Rorschach test. Sure, sure. Go, go, go. Okay. Keep going. Um three martini steak dinner.
0: I was gonna say 1960s, like spy movies or okay.
1: I like action. that. Yeah. Um yeah, a lot of things.
0: Ambulance ambulance, uh, ambulance, 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 yeah. ambulance. Love the ambulance that I don't know why, but it gives me chills. It just does. Well, um, ambulances should give you chills, sure. True, yeah. Uh, it's never really a good thing, right? It isn't. It isn't. People have died in ambulances and they've been saved and given more life extended. A, well, life. And that's chilling.
1: I, I was saved in the back of an ambulance and I've uh, had a couple of very Close relatives uh, die in ambulances. It is. It's an amazing. It is. It's a very rich symbol of. It, it's kind of like a, like a doorway, like a threshold between life and death, and everything hangs in the balance of this
0: thing. And I think if we think about it, like you know, the the fastness and the quickness of of the, the, some of the panicked elements of this album, or the anxiety of it, you know. When an ambulance is called, it's never calm. I mean, the the EMTs are generally calm because that's part of their training is to stay calm in that uh, in that situation. It would seem everything else around the ambulance is is just panicky, right? I mean, it's just. Yeah, it, I mean, it's a weird. It's such a weird
1: thing to Even to put If it you're on the road at the time that an ambulance is passing, your heart races a little bit. You pull over, um, you make way, um, and then you think about the people. You know the family members that are chasing behind the ambulance. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. All have Honestly, never thought about all of the uh, symbolism and the you know the emotion behind an ambulance until just now.
0: What an interesting yes. album! Like it's the it's one of the most interesting albums that's ever been released, I think. And I think looking at it the way we are with these snippets will sometimes even make us go, "Oh, whoa." You know, we didn't really expect this outcome in terms of appreciation or just getting inside something. We're ending soon. Where I know we're ripping through these, but it's it's fun to do it this way. The second to last. Well, song, and I think sorry.
1: it's too because we do this sort of maniacally. It 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 mirrors the uh, <laughs> the um, the mood of the album.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, I'm going to have to take some kind of sedative to calm me down after this. My heart rate's pretty high. Uh,
1: you know how long I've been up. And um, I am fully, (laughs) fully alert and awake now
0: Thanks to this album (laughs) Oh, no Okay, well, hopefully it'll come come down somehow (laughs) But this this is another highlight for me And and a highlight of of what we're talking about With the the imagery and the aesthetic And the lyric and some of the stuff That that, that gets inside us when we listen to this thing Uh, This is called Your Call
2: Speaking of the dead. When the red light rings Don't you be alone It's just someone dying With no one to talk to Other than those characters i
0: date but also not safe it's oh I love that date yeah. but not safe right there's just this undercurrent something's wrong and we're gonna get to it with operator this is um man I'm <laughs> telling you they not only do they and they've always known this this is this is Oliver's genius they've always really known how to sequence an album Yes they have the material yes they have the talent and the and the vision to go all the places they've gone but i think they really put the, put an album together well that's one of the uh, the beautiful moments in Naughton's Madrigal when you realize that like oh this is not just constant buzzing for eight songs it's really well constructed and they build and they build and they they tend to climax near the end which is how it should be on i think any album really where they have a sense of of, of dramatic build and i and i, I don't think any other album Uh, by Oliver illustrates it as well as this one. There are others that do well there, but um, operators, um, a a killer ending.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you're right about nothing's magical. And I, I think the thing that all, you know, true fans of that album, like the real deep listeners understand that and the way that they sort of drag you along The the thing about Oliver, they're always in charge.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Because, and why don't we talk about Nautins? I was just going to stop us, but why don't we for a second? The thing about that one is that at first it's noise. Even when you're used to it, it, you have to. I listened to
1: to it um, on my last flight.
0: Well, I was um, going to say, okay, so so you're fresher than I am because I probably haven't listened to it. In, uh, I, I'm sure I listen to it at least once a year, if not twice. But, but is. but but the thing about that album is you you ha- you have to get used to the abrasion first, mm-hmm. and then by the end of the album, you're like, oh, that's like one of the most melodic metal albums I've ever heard. Like it it's suddenly all these melodies, like how
1: subliminally and without notice the way that skulls bass lines start to appear like yeah. around track three or something, you start noticing the, cause your, your brain and <laughs> your ears literally acclimate to the sound. And then you start to piece out all of these intricate and beautiful details in the music.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, again, I, I, if I think of all my favorite all our albums or recordings, they all have that quality of like constantly discovering something new and and just or, or another another facet, you know, something else opens yep. up for me. And hey, man,
1: there's a reason that we started with them and why we we're restarting with them.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely for sure, uh, and also because this show is Jason Walton's folly. <laughs> The same way, "Scream Bloody Gore" was Don Kay's folly, but um, I never really knew what that meant. But I'm I'm willing to paraphrase Chuck Schuldiner and get this get this job done. Let's mop up the blood. Did, uh, did Don K smear "Scream"? I don't know. I think must something must have happened. And you know, knowing Chuck is um, no, that's true. Per, was... gets pretty irate with stuff. In the liner notes for "Scream Bloody Gore," if you have the original vinyl, and I think all the reissues have kept it in. After the thanks list, there is a, a simple sentence, and it says, "This album is Don Kay's folly." <laughs> <laughs> like it's just it's so it's so Chuck, you know, and Yeah, Chuck
1: was a yeah kind of reactive yeah. guy,
0: yeah, so stick with us, we're gonna play the final song operator, and then we we will be back to uh announce the next uh episode and uh have a beer together and ask y'all how you got together. Yeah, to
1: that. How, how the hell had how, how the hell did you get together? We have mentioned
0: it before, hardcore RR fans will uh hopefully be trying to find a copy of Metallomania on DVD. Trust us, it's great. Eric Braverman. Uh those are all the
1: uh We could do a raffle at some point. We could do a what? A raffle um for a copy of Metallomania. Well,
0: yeah, okay. With all our contributions, we're gonna buy a copy and then raffle that off and then make even more money. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're
0: such fucking money grubbing scumbags. Okay, this is Operator, and this is awesome. And this takes us to the hospital.
1: intense than nothing's magical um that 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 shit makes me
0: nervous (laughs) (laughs) wow yeah about it that's great that that's uh, there's nothing else to say man that's so true right it's such nerve-wracking music and i you know again like i love the the ending the hospital the, the scream of hospital is great God, I just love it, man. I just love it. So if you're not convinced, you never will be Jason Walton. I know we were, <laughs> we were going to say his name again, but I had to there.
1: He's going to appear at some point.
0: He's going to appear.
1: Yeah. Like Beetlejuice.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> some <new> well, we <laughs> broke,
0: we broke our not having a guest cherry on episode 99. So I suppose. Okay. So one really interesting thing that happened uh, before we all bid you adieu is that, um, all for themselves and I don't check Twitter DMS. I don't fucking like if you, if anybody out there that listens to our podcast and we so appreciate you, if you've tried to contact us over Facebook message messenger, there's a good chance you'll never hear from us because we just don't do it that way. Um, you can email us at radical research at gmail.com and we will get back to you. Um, we're just bad with that stuff, but I did get an alert today on my phone to, Well, no, wait, less than two hours before Hunter and I recorded and it was Ulver, the band. And I assume Chris is behind this DMing us through Twitter, what is now called X. And I got through the radical research email. I got an alert about that, that we had been dm M'd by Ulver, saying, Hey, you should check this out. I don't have Twitter on my phone. So I, I'll have to go to the desktop that I'm on now and, and take a look at what they sent us. But I thought that was a really weird coincidence. Pretty weird. Don't you think?
1: Weird. No. The, uh, speaking of summoning,
0: and especially with this symbolic thing that we are doing only pretty much for ourselves, and restarting it at one hundred and one with Oliver again, and it weird. just was weird, man. <laughs> like, and they didn't know. I didn't email Chris and go, "Hey, man, we're going to do uh, Blood Inside," because he listened. At some point, he listened to the episode one, which which we're kind of not very fond of, and um, and we can stand by I think behind every other oh, episode gonna, we've ever done. Uh, you know, it, it, but he liked it. Chris I, liked it. I, I was I like, oh, in, really. In
1: but i mean it it's like a it's like the you know demo you made with your like high sure. school band or something
0: <laughs> right to, to, you know yeah, i mean
1: yeah. yeah i'd like to think that we've come a long way since then and um, the
0: first three times you hit record with that high school band you know, it didn't it didn't record you know technical issues because we had, certainly had some of those in the beginning anyway thanks for listening we we got so much great response from episodes 99 and, and 100 um it was i mean literally overwhelming like it was yeah. kind of hard to uh, to list everybody who who responded to those two episodes and and I'm, I'm including 99 because we didn't know if that having two panelists with us would would how, how that would change things because we've never done it like that and that that went so, fantastic yeah, we've gotten a lot of picked, good response right, picked the right guys yeah i just got another missives from somebody about that today regarding how much they liked that yeah. Uh, in particular, I think I think it might have been Vico Ribain, who I hadn't heard from for a while. So that, all that stuff's really great. But thank you for listening. We we appreciate you so much. You can contact us at radicalresearchpodcast at gmail That's also our PayPal ID for donations. I've got two books up on the radicalresearch.org dot org site. Uh, what about Deserts of Hex number two, Hunter? When's that coming out? Will you have that by the end of the year?
1: Yes. In fact, speaking of our uh, our dear friend Thomas Clark. He's done some yeoman's work on the editorial side um, aside from all his brilliant writing and uh, Ryan Madsen and I are going to do the layout on October 14th, I believe. So yeah. I, okay. I think that having it out before the end of the year is absolutely uh, within reach.
0: Awesome. Look forward to it. Your Agalock stuff, dude. Again, I will tell you this until the day we both die, uh, on the top of a hill defending some loud blast EP. Uh, that, that I'm really proud of you.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. I, I, and and one other thing that I um we're that we're trying to find a home for it. Um, and hopefully that'll happen sooner than later. But the Gorging Shade album. Okay. I'm um, super excited about that.
0: How can folks hear gorging shade? We never pump ourselves, but go ahead. Let's do it. You can't read yeah. it. Okay. Ah, they it's not ready yet. Out. Yeah, we're,
1: obviously. We're, we're trying to wait until we have a, a label home, a physical release. So, yeah, not available yet, but I think it's really, really special, and um, I'm super grateful to be a part of it.
0: Cool. Well, we're going to hit the uh, opposite end of the rock metal spectrum or, or maybe – some other far reach of it for episode one hundred two. It's going to be on a band called Into Another, a band I got into simply because they had an ex member of Whiplash, and then um I discovered quite a bit through that band. And and you were probably at the same time getting into Into Another, but we'll talk about that next episode. Fair to say, hey, a band this we, hold, is for, we hold dear. Uh, yeah, this one's for Ben Adler. Ah. Well, okay, good. And I, I I suspect a few other people. Oh they, yeah. yeah. They seem seen. to have a small but pretty dedicated fan base who remembers them quite well. Yep. Till next time.